All right, so Travis did a great job last week. Um, but I don't understand something. The picture of me? Y'all didn't know that was me. Is it really that bad? <laughs> uh, my wife and I, we were talking about it. She said, Zach, nobody recognized you. I'm like, what, what do you mean? You know, so I started thinking, well, why didn't they? And, uh, you know, she was like, yeah, that's sort of like false advertising. Oh. <laughs> well, what do you mean? You know, she said, yeah, like when the picture looks better than what you get in real life. <laughs> Like, hey, forget last week's message. You need to go back and listen to the week before when I talked about respect. <laughs> right? She said, I did. She said, I respect you enough to tell you the truth. I said, oh. You know, in that Kenny Rogers song, you know, you got to know when to fold them and know when to walk away, know when to run. Well, I ran. I mean, you know, so we're going to get into that. All right, so we're in our series called Reset, and uh, wow, what a challenging series this has been. Uh, it's been great. If you've missed a week, I would just encourage you to go to our website and watch or listen. Maybe you meet with your small groups. I would just encourage you to share some of the information that's in each of these messages together in your small group. Uh, so far, we've talked about faith. We've talked about family. And last week, Travis talked about friends, and I don't know if you noticed the pattern, but everything starts with F. Isn't that weird? So, look, this is a true story. I was thinking about this series, and I was writing down some of the things that I thought would be good, and I got to four or five things, and I looked back, and they all started with F. So I said, well, we got to finish it, you know, if we started it. So, you know, everything in this series will start with F, and you can, uh, you can have fun guessing uh, what the next series or next sermon is going to be about. So, today, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about finances. Finances. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You're like, man, I should have slept in, stayed home, right? Uh, gosh, look, why a sermon on finances? Uh, this is tough. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to hear information, sermons uh, regarding this, and look, sometimes Pastors, preachers avoid it altogether, you know, because it is so challenging. It is so difficult to talk about. Um, I just got to tell you, I am burdened, and I have been burdened about this message, about what God wants us to hear. Um, because while we may not want to hear it, that's, that's the reason these sermons are not popular, is because we don't want to hear it. It's exactly what we need to hear. Um, you know, and I think if we just get this, what we're going to be talking about today, I think it could change your life. So I hope you tune in. I hope you don't tune out. Uh, but why a sermon on finances? Well, first of all, Jesus mentioned finances a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot, right? Um, the two things that Jesus talked about more than anything else are the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and finances. And look, sometimes he talked about them both at the same time. We'll look at a parable today briefly where he, he did that. So 16 out of 38 parables involve money. You know, that's got to that's say something to us, and especially when 
Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, talks about it, right? I mean, look, we really got to think, who are we to think otherwise, right? Next, the next reason this is important, and this is a big statement here, but money is the single most thing that interferes with your relationship with God. Think about it. Money is the single most thing that competes with our relationship with God. Let's say you're married, you love your wife. If there is something, let's just call it something, if there is one thing that interferes, that competes with your relationship with your spouse, who you love, what would you do? Would you address that? Or would you ignore it? Let's say there's one thing that interferes with your relationship with your child, who you love, who you would die for. Would you address that one thing? You see, money is that one thing that competes with our relationship with God. A, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about our mission. Really, I felt like God is leading us to, to do this, and it's building a growing community of mature Christ followers until the Lord returns, right? I feel like that's where our church has been in the past. I feel like that is what the Lord has equipped me to lead us through. I feel like that's where we're going to the future. Not just to simply proclaim Jesus and leave it there, but to proclaim Jesus and to grow in our faith. Spiritual maturity. One of the main differences between mature and immature believers, listen, is how they view and handle money. It is. As a matter of fact, I... It is so important, and I think, it is, I think God's Word says it clearly. I think it's so important that, I don't know if you've noticed, out in the foyer there, we have the Next Steps brochures. Step one has some very important things in there, like salvation, like baptism, and guess what's number three? Stewardship. I put it right there. It's that, it's that important. So, Let's talk about resetting our finances this morning. And this won't be the typical message about money. I know probably what you're expecting, but it may be a little bit of that. But it's mainly going to talk about our minds and how we think. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and another word for renew is, is reset. I like that. You know, how we think usually determines how we act. Right? Um, what you think determines what you do. So that's the idea. I want us to focus on some very important foundational things regarding money and finances this morning that should affect the way we, we think. All right, so big things we're going to be talking about. The first thing, and these are really in, in order here, is everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And look, Everything means everything. Is your money yours? Is anything that you have yours? Right? Everything comes from God and therefore everything belongs to God. He is the source of it. Um, you know, the, the clothes that we have on come from, you know, let's say cotton. Right? The cars that we drove in, 
The, the metal comes from the ore in God's ground. The electricity that we're experiencing this morning, the, the lights and the heat come from power that's generated by God's rivers and then the coal in God's ground. The money that we will spend this morning is made from the trees that God made. Everything belongs to God. This, in our minds, is where we must start. This is where we must start. Look at Psalm 24.1. I love this. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it belongs to God. The world and all who live in it. You, me, non-believers, wicked people, good people, everything, all of it belongs to God. Um, I can remember back in college, I was pretty young, right? I mean, 17 in college is young, right? So, uh, you know, really didn't have a whole lot of experience spending money, you know, uh, but, you know, went to Radio Shack. Remember when Radio Shack was a big deal and you went there and hung out? So went to, went to, okay, I'm a geek, all right? So went to Radio Shack, and you know, this is when people had car stereos that you bought. I mean, you didn't, the stock car stereo was no good, right? It wasn't good enough. You had, to, you had to get the upgrade. So I went in there, and they had all these nice, you know, Pioneer and JVC stereo, car stereos, and I'm like salivating. I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's nice. And I saw this brand new JVC L Chameleon car stereo. That's, you're not going to get that now. But listen, when you touched it, it was like a transformer. All right? It had a flat front, and when you touched it, it started unfolding and doing all this weird stuff. I said, i got to have that in my car. But Brother Zach didn't have any money. So uh, the salesperson didn't have to do a very good job to talk me into it. I was like, you know, I was there. He said, well, we got this. We could put this on credit for you. Um, you know, I said, uh, okay. So, you know, you, you lie on your application. You know, act like you're 18. You ever done that? No, sure. So anyway, I got this stereo on credit. I'm like, yes, I, I love it. it. It was awesome. And you know what? I thought it was mine until I missed that first payment. And then I realized exactly whose it belonged to. I mean, I, you see what I'm saying? I acted like it was mine. I thought it was mine. I was jamming out listening to it. You know, I was showing it off to all my friends, and it wasn't even mine. It wasn't mine. Now that I'm a little bit older, I'm a little bit better with money. A little bit, okay? And look, we learn, don't we? Look, don't turn this off because it's about money. Don't tune this out. Look, you learn how to, how to read and write, how to do arithmetic. You learn how to drive a car. You learn things through life. Why not learn about money? Why not learn about it? But I, hopefully I'm a little bit better now. Um, you know, I've got a kids of my own, and Isaac, he's my oldest. I can remember when he... First got his driver's license. I did what every parent does that has a kid like that. Started using him to go to the grocery store, right? Like, this is great. You know, I don't, 
I don't have to go out as much. I can just send him out. So, you know, I did that. And the first couple of times, you know, when I got my bank statement in, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This is a lot more than what I thought. Well, I'm like, Isaac, what are you buying? I don't just what you tell me to. Well, so I start looking at the receipts and stuff like that. He's buying top-of-the-line stuff. <laughs> Go to the store and get milk. He comes back with pet milk, $4, $5 a gallon milk. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm trying to figure this out. Like, you know, you need to, you need to sh- use food club stuff, right? Use Food City, uh, you know, their brand stuff. Food club stuff's usually a little bit cheaper. Look for sales. You know, look for them red stickers, you know. So he was doing that because, hey, he wasn't feeling it. But who was? Me. Right? Look, that's the way we are sometimes with God's money. We just don't pay attention to what we're doing. Throw it here. Throw it there, misuse it, abuse it, and the whole time God's saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? Everything belongs to God. It's, it's his. It's not ours. He owns it. He owns it all. Okay, that's where we got to start, and that's so important, all right? Number two, well, if everything belongs to God, what's our relationship to that? Well, we are stewards or managers is what that means. We are stewards of what God owns. Um, anybody ever rent in the past, right? You understand that. You know, if you, if you own now, you understand the difference between renting and owning. Uh, when we first got married, we rented most of the time. You know, we moved a few times, and each time we rented. And, you know, when something went wrong, what did we do? Yeah, did we try to do anything? No. We just called the landlord, said, look, there's a problem. You, you need to help us with this. They would fix it, right? Well, now that we're the owner, what happens when something wrong happens? It's on you. It's on you, right? So you see the difference. When we, when we understand that God is the owner and we are the renter, you see, if there's a problem, who fixes it? God does. If we act like we're the owner and we assume complete control over everything when there's a problem, we're on our own. You see, that's the difference. Um, what about stayed in somebody else's home? Has, have you stayed in somebody else's home? That's awkward, isn't it? It's kind of weird sometimes. Maybe for some of you, no. <laughs> um, but it's awkward for me. To go to somebody else's home and stay, you feel out of place, don't you? Sometimes you feel strange and, uh, you know, you're, you're taking your shoes off and you're definitely not putting your feet up. And you're, when you get up, you're, you're straightening up and before you leave, you clean. That's what you should be doing anyway, right? Because why? It's not ours. We are not the owners. And, look, if you think the right way... Truly, you want to leave it in better condition before you got there, right? I'm not talking about, you know, hotel rooms and vacation rentals. I'm talking about going into somebody else's house when you need to or, you know, visiting family or things like that. 
that's the level of respect that we need to have with God because we are not the owner. I want you to think about Adam and Eve. God created them. He created everything. He created the earth and he gave it to Adam and Eve. He also gave them guidelines to operate within. You guys understand that, right? Enjoy everything here, but this one thing don't. You know, stay away from this. This one thing. Well, they became deceived, didn't they? The deceiver, the enemy, came in and said, God didn't say that. Did God really say that? You know, you will not surely die. What did he say? He's afraid that if you eat of it, you will become like God. Do you see what they fell for? What did they fall for? The deception of becoming the owner. Do you see that? They were given all this stuff and it wasn't good enough for them. The enemy came in and said, look, you can be the owner if you want to. You can be like God. And they fell for it. They fell for it. Look, we are not the owners God is, we are the stewards, we, we are the managers of what God owns. And he has, what he has done is he has given us everything to manage for him on his behalf. And this is where I want to get into that parable, and I'm just going to read one verse from it. Well, actually two. But, uh, you know, it's in Matthew 25, and this whole section is a long parable about the talents or the bags of gold. Some of you are familiar with that. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. Here, but he's also bringing in money. And he says in Matthew 25, 14, Again, it will be like a man, that is the Lord, that is Jesus, going on a journey who look, called whose servants? His servants, you see? So that's Christians, that's believers. A man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted whose wealth? His wealth to them, you see? So when Jesus goes through and he, he gives different amounts to three different servants, and it's all based on their ability, based on their ability, their ability to handle these resources. To one, he gave five bags of gold. The other one, he gave two. And the third one, he gave one, all right? And the first two did what they were supposed to do. Actually, they did a little more. They honored the Lord with what he had given to them. And so when the Lord returned, you know, he was pleased. And he honored them. And he said this, well done, my good and faithful servant. Servant, well done. We hear that a lot and we use that a lot. Did you know that this is the only time it's used in the Bible? In how you handle money. How you handle what God has given to you. Well, the third guy, he didn't honor God with his money. He went and, went and hid it. And when the Lord returned, he was upset with that. You know, at the very least, he says this in Matthew 25, 27. Well, then, you should have put, whose money? Come on, whose money? His money on deposit with the banker so that when... I returned, I would have received it back with interest. With interest. You see, it's different amounts. People have different amounts of money, different amounts of wealth. 
matters to God how you handle it, no matter how much or how little you have. And the reason this is important here, this parable and our mission, look, the Lord is returning. The landlord is returning. He will be back. And our mission is building a growing community of mature Christ followers until the Lord returns. I believe the Lord's returning. I don't know about you. I believe he could return at any moment. Now, we are to be stewards of God's money because he's coming back. He is the owner, and we will be held responsible for how we manage what he's given to us, you see. Well, some ways that we can be good stewards, this isn't on the screen, I just want to share them with you, is managing money, right? This is just common sense, practical stuff, but you, you spend and you manage money wisely. You don't overspend. You don't go into crazy amounts of debt. You avoid that if at all possible. If you're in debt, you know, you should have a goal of coming out of debt and, and not, you know, extending the debt cycle or going overboard anymore. Um, living on a budget are things that honor God. Being content, right? Being content with our lives would honor God as well. And we, ha- we have, uh, we've done these things in the past, these classes, financial peace. You know, we want to be there to help you do that. If, if you have a history or you have a, uh, you look at your past and you say, I just can't handle money. We want to help you the best way we can. Um, our financial peace classes, we offer those. Uh, and I just got to tell you, if you come to me and you say you got a problem with, with finances, I will hook you up with a counselor, with a financial counselor, right, if you need to. That's, that's how important I think this is. We can also do this. We can also, we are also to tithe, to tithe. Um, what's, what's tithe? Well, that simply means a tenth, 10%. And you might say, look, I don't really see that. I understand it's an Old Testament thing, but what about grace in the New Testament? And uh, look, Jesus didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled it. All right, so we twist and we turn that, that around. The, the tithe is a biblical principle. I just want you to understand that. Some of you are there, and man, I just thank you for that. And you know, you know that you cannot outgive God. You know that. Some of you are not there, and look, I understand that too. I know that. Uh, we still struggle with money. Um, but here's what I want all of us to understand, is that tithing is a biblical principle. If we're not there, it needs to be a goal. Like it needs to be in front of us, and we need to be making arrangements to get there. That doesn't mean spending more money, getting more things, going into more debt, and still saying, oh, I, I need to get to tithing. See, it doesn't work. So if, if, if you're there, you know. You know that you are blessed, and, and you are being faithful and obedient to God. And if you're not, you understand that you need to get there. I would just encourage you to do what you need to do. It should be a goal. And I was going to talk a lot more about tithing, but I don't want to. Because I think this next thing is, is so important, and we, f- we fail to get it. All right? God requires the first of what we've been given. 
God requires the first of what we've been given. You're familiar with the Ten Commandments, right, in Exodus. The very first one, you shall have no gods before me. None. No gods. And for many of us, money is a god. Money is what has our heart. Money is what we worship. God wants and should be the most important. And another way of saying that is God wants to be first. I want to show you something that maybe you never thought about before, but it's all the way back in Genesis 2. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, this is Cain and Abel. We're familiar with this. But I want you to notice how this starts out. In the course of time. In the course of time. All right? That immediately tells us that Cain's really not in a hurry, kind of doing his own thing. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, all right? And his brother Abel also brought an offering. But look at the difference. Fat portions from some of the, what? Firstborn of his flock. I hope you see the difference there. It says, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor upon. Now, this isn't talking about, hey, you know, one brought animals and had to shed blood and one brought vegetables. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with first. In the course of time, Cain brought this. Brought some, but Abel brought the fat portions of the firstborn and gave it to God because he is first. That's why God honored his offering. Um, this reminds me of a story of a missionary in, in Africa um, was speaking and investing and building a church around the Congo River. And so he was teaching these new Christians about giving, about tithing, about financial stewardship, and things like that. And so one morning, one of these young Christians, and when I say young Christians, I mean an older guy, but a new Christian, all right? Uh, one of these recent Christian converts came running up to the missionary, excited and as happy as he could be. He had his fishing pole in one hand, and he had one fish in the other. And I want you to understand this was a fishing community. They caught hundreds, if not thousands, of fish each and every day. It's what they did. He had one fish, one fishing pole. He brought it and gave it to the missionary. And the missionary said, well, you know, what are you doing? Where's all the rest of the fish? And he said, oh, they're in the river. He said, but I wanted to bring God as first. Oh, wow. Like, do you see that? That guy got it. He got it. I just think we need to get that too. That blows me away. We don't, we don't give to get, but we get to give. That's the way our hearts should feel. God, we get to give you this. We are over, overflowing with joy that we are able to even give back to you. You are first in my life. Look at this, Exodus 23, 19. I like the New King James Version of this. 
the first of the first fruits, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You see that? God wants to be first. And we, we bring our, our finances, our money to him. That's why we do offerings at the church. I understand if you give to other places, organizations, but you give to God through the local church first. First. That's a biblical principle. Many of us need a reset here, not just about tithing. What do you mean, Zach? Is there a difference between giving the last 10% and the first 10%? You better believe it. You know, this is, this is difficult for us to understand and hear sometimes because we have church on Sundays. Paydays typically don't happen on Sundays, do they? So what do you do? God asks us to put him first. So as money comes in, we give it back to God first. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know if that means taking the money out of the bank so you don't burn it up. I don't know if that means immediate, you know, writing the check and just dating it for Sunday. I, I don't know. We have online giving. We have automatic giving. We have text giving to simplify that process for you. God requires the first. He doesn't accept leftovers. When we come in and we've already paid all our bills and we give God 20 bucks. You know, God requires the first. That's difficult, isn't it? But again, we have to renew our minds. We have to reset our minds. And we have to ask ourselves, am I giving God the very best and the first of what he's given to me? That's what he asks. I want to go on to the next sec section here. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. God blesses us so that we could be a blessing. Um, before I get into explaining that, just let me say something. God won't bless you or me or anybody if we don't honor him with our money, with his money, actually. Right? I know sometimes we get in a financial difficulty and what do you do? You pray, don't you? Now, God, help me with this. I'm struggling here. God won't bless you. If you're not honoring him already with what he's given you. Let me show you. Malachi 1.9. Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Now Malachi is, is an Old Testament book and it was written specifically to call out the people for giving God leftovers. For not placing God first. And so God challenged them on it. I like the, the uh, New Living Translation. It's not up here, but I'm going to read it from this verse. It says, go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should the Lord show you any favor at all? Wow, how does that make us feel, right? That's a difficult verse to read, to hear. Everybody in here has went through financial difficulty. If you haven't, you probably will at some point. 
And, and when we get to that point, that's where we ask God to help us. Help us, God. I need a breakthrough. I need you to break into my life. You know what the key is? How you've handled his money up to that point. Whether or not he intercedes. That's the key. God will not bless us if, he's not, if we're not honoring him with our wealth. But on the other hand, this is where I want to transition. And this is where I want to get to the point. On the other hand, if we live a life that honors God and we ask God to bless us, guess what? He will. He will. Now, I'm not a health, wealth, and prosperity guy, but what we're getting ready to talk about is pretty good. You know, and I truly believe it. If we live a life that honors God, He will bless us. And God blesses those who bless others. He does. First uh, Chronicles 4. Anybody ever hear the prayer of Jabez or the Jabez prayer? Anybody remember reading that? That was a popular book. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, something like that. But it talks about a guy named Jabez, and this is the only time the Bible mentions him. But he asks God for money. And let's see what happened. Okay? First uh, Chronicles 4, verse 9. Now, Jabez was more honorable. Do you see that? Do you see how important that is? And anytime the Bible connects honor with somebody, it's almost always talking about money. It's almost always talking about financial integrity. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. So the name Jabez literally means pain. So the guy's name was pain. That's what his mom named him. Verse 10, this is what Jabez did. Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, Enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So here's Jabez, a man more honorable than any of his brothers, a wealthy man that already had territory and he asked the Lord to bless him more. Lord, enlarge my territory. Give me more. Bless me indeed. And what did the Lord do? The Lord granted his request. But do you see the prerequisite? He was more honorable. His name was Payne. What was his request? Lord, bless me that I may not cause pain. In other words, bless me so that I can bless others. Do you see the difference? Lord, I've, I've honored you with, my, with you, the wealth that you've given to me. Lord, enlarge my territory. Bless me so that I may not cause pain, so that I can be a blessing to others. Do you see that? Wow. Um, ten or more years ago, I can't remember how many years, but we were going through a tough time. We were, me and my family. And um, I had had some health problems with my back. I went through three pretty you know significant back surgeries was on um, short-term disability that can, went into long term and man we were just going through a tough time uh, and we got behind on the house payment anybody ever been there sure maybe not 
Um, but the small group that we were a part of here, and I got to tell you, if you're not involved in a group, man, you're missing out. But the small group that we were a part of sort of knew what was going on. We didn't tell them, you know, anything about our bills or anything like that. But they gave us, they gave it to Angela because they knew I would never accept it. But they gave us money. And it was exactly the same amount that we needed to pay for our past due house payment. Exactly. Blew us away. Blew me away. God blesses those who bless others. I was so blessed by, by these people. And you've been there too. Maybe you've received something and you just can't explain it. And it's exactly what was needed. Not more. Exactly what was needed. God will bless you and in turn he wants you to bless others. That's how God works. You know, you're just not going to wake up one day and then, you know, your bank account's going to be huge. But this is how God works. God works through others. God will bless you. God will use you to bless others. There's somebody praying right now that maybe you can help out. And when you go to them, you just, they will just be like, I've been praying for this. You are an answer to my prayer, you see. Genesis 12, 2, this is about Abraham, and we're familiar with this verse, but I want you to look at it a little bit differently. Abraham had been honorable. He was an honorable guy before he met the Lord. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Now, of course, we know, we're talking about, uh, we know he's talking about Jesus Christ coming through the line of Abraham. But he's also saying, look, I will bless you. You continue to be a blessing. You see, there's a promise here, and there's also a command. I will bless you. You shall be a blessing. Now, God blesses us to bless others. And so three things, this is not on the screen, but I just want to share with you three things. Look, if we're not honoring God with, with his money... First of all, look, I just cannot sugarcoat this, but we are being disobedient. We are. We understand that God's word teaches us to give. We understand God's word teaches us to put him first, to give him the first of what we've been given. We understand that God's word teaches us to tithe, but also to not just stop there, but to tithe and to be generous to other places. We know that. So when we don't do that, look, we're being disobedient. But here's what happens. Here's, here's what flows from that disobedience. And here's why you need to listen. You miss out on being blessed. See, you think, sometimes we think by holding back that we're actually keeping more. I just got to tell you, you're losing out. If you're not following God, if you're not being obedient to God, he can do more through your obedience than what you can do on your own with your disobedience. So you're miss it's in your best interest to follow God's financial principles, to honor him with your wealth. He will bless you more than what, you're being, uh, than, than what you are right now. Thirdly, not only do you miss out on a blessing, but you miss out on blessing others. You see the trickle effect? 
you miss out on blessing others. God blesses those who honor him with his money. And through that process, not only do you become blessed, but you become a conduit of blessing for others. Blessings just flow from you. So I'm finished. I didn't have a long, uh, whole lot of notes here. I think I said what I wanted to say. I just want to finish with this. What's the point in all this? I mean, what's the bottom line to this? What's well, this right here? God doesn't need your money, but He wants your hearts. You think the Creator of the heavens and the earth needs anything from us? Doesn't need it. Doesn't need it. But what He wants more than anything, more than the sun, the moon, the stars, all those are, will go. What he wants more than anything is your heart. That's why I love this parable, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, he's not talking about money there, Zach. Oh, yes, he is. You just read it. Before this, don't store, store up for yourself treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. No man can serve two masters no man can serve God and money. It's all there. It's all there. You see, money is the single most thing that holds our heart back from God. Where's your heart this morning? Does God have it? Or, or does it belong to money that's not even yours, that you don't even own? Does it belong to material things? Is your life built upon and centered around things of this world, do you live like God's the owner? Or do you live like you're the owner? Give God your heart. Honor Him with what He has given to you. And I would just say, do that and trust Him. Trust Him. He never fails. He's always faithful if you do that in the process of doing that he will bless you and you will bless others you know i think about jesus he treasured us more than anything he treasured you more than anything he gave his life for you he suffered cruelly for you in light of what he did for us what God's word is asking seems so little, doesn't it? It seems so insignificant compared to what Jesus did. He gave his life. All he wants is our hearts. Now let's do that. Let's, let's give him our hearts. Let's give our hearts to the one who gave us his life. Okay? Let's pray this morning. Father, this morning we do pray that we would see you as the owner of everything. That we do see you as the sovereign, supreme, all-powerful God. And recognize that we are just man managers. We are just stewards of everything that you've given to us. Father, help us to use 
the resources that you've given to us wisely. Help us to just realize and just take your word as truth and understand that you are returning. That you will be returning and that we will give an account for everything that we've done, everything that we've said, how we've handled everything that you've given to us. Father, help us to put you first. And I don't know what that looks like. It's, it's different for every one of us. But through your spirit, you have opened us up this morning. Father, help us to take those next steps in putting you first. Help us to give back to you first because that shows that you are first in our life and that shows that you have our hearts. Father, help us to be a blessing to others. We desire to be blessed, but that shouldn't be our only desire. We should want our lives to be a blessing to others, to help others, to show your love to others in need. Father, I believe that you will bless that if we honor you with our lives, with our finances, and we come to you when we need things. I believe that you will grant those things. Father, ultimately, you don't need anything from us, but you want our hearts. Father, in light of what you did on the cross for us, we should just be like the fishermen from the Congo. We should be running to you joyfully, thankfully, filled with excitement, giving our lives and our hearts over to you. Father, help us to live in light of these truths this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.